Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Amen. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome the church in the balcony. Amen. The Lord is good all the time and so good to have everybody out on a Wednesday night. And if you see some people just stick their head in or come in and go, oops, uh, it's okay, don't, don't, don't worry about it. They'll, they'll find their way back down to where the candy's being given out. But uh, we are gathered here tonight to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we always like to meet in the middle of the week to get our little booster shot so we can go on another few days until weekend and get another shot. And uh, so I'm glad that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being faithful to the Lord. Thank you for loving the Lord. Amen. And so let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. And uh, we have some uh, announcements that we need to make mention of. Won't take long. Let's remember that if you want to be in the Christmas program, the sign-up sheet is on the back podium back there. So be sure to sign up if you want to not only maybe be in it or help set up, tear down, pack in, pack out, uh, whatever Sister Pam might need. Just keep that in mind. And also, we will be having our trunk or treat, which is a time that we give out information to the church. Yeah, we got candy and events for the kids, but we don't want them to uh, celebrate anything evil. We want to try to counter that. How many knows that the Lord wants us to try to counter that? And uh, if we can ever get on the same page uh, and, and try to counter all the evil in this land, if we can just counter all the evil, we're going to uh, start seeing our children uh, released from the bondage of evil. I believe there are spirits in this world that are grabbing hold of our children. They're grabbing hold of adults. They're grabbing hold of churches. And uh, we have to be so careful in our day uh, because uh, the times are evil. And uh, we know that the spirits uh, that are roaming this earth are just as real as they were in Jesus' day. Uh, people that uh, say, well, people don't get demon-possessed no more. Well, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. So uh, that's why you got to watch and keep your children out of the evil of the day and start getting them into Sunday school and church and all those things that's going to bless their heart and keep them pure. Amen. Let's also remember Harvest Time Crusade is coming up. That'll be Friday, November the 17th, 7 p.m. Brother Buddy Puckett from Lexington, Kentucky is going to be with us. Saturday, November the 18th, 7 p.m. Brother James Chesser from Charleston, West Virginia is going to be with us. And then Sunday, November the 19th, 11 a.m., Brother Michael Maupin. And he's from Arkansas. We'll forgive him for that. He's from Arkansas. And uh, then we're going to be having a dinner following. So we're going to have a great weekend of services that weekend. And didn't we have a great weekend of services this past weekend? I tell you, the Lord was doing some things here, healing some people and delivering some people and touching some people. And I believe that people left here 
different. I've even heard people that were our guests talking about how much they enjoyed the presence of the Lord in this in the services. So we don't know what the Lord's got in store. We just got a plant, we got a water, and the Lord's going to give the increase. So don't be surprised when you start seeing faces you don't know and people you've never seen come into this place and say, I want to start serving the Lord here. Because I believe revival is breaking out. I believe revival is breaking out. And uh, I tell you, uh, I would not want to be in Israel right now. I would not want to be in Gaza right now. I would not want to be in Iraq or Iran right now. I'm glad I'm in the U.S. of A. I'm glad I'm in a place where the sunshine can't find us. That's what everybody says. I'm glad uh, if the sunshine can't find us, then I guess uh, we don't have to worry about Al-Qaeda and all these, uh, you know, terrorist groups finding us. Uh, but no, they will find us because uh, that, is, that is a good hiding place. Good hiding place in small towns. Uh, so we want to um, just lift up the name of the Lord tonight and let Him be honored in everything we say and do. So keep those services in mind. Also coming up, we'll have our Christmas program December the 10th at 6 p.m. And then our New Year's Eve celebration uh, ends the year. And we always have it on the last day of the year. And we celebrate Jesus. We come together and we celebrate that the Lord has seen us through and blessed us to come through another year. And then we also celebrate uh, the new year coming. Because we know the new year may have some new challenges but I like to look at it this way. There's a lot of new blessings waiting on each and every one of us. Amen. A lot of new blessings. Let's remember our prayer requests. We have over 70-some prayer requests. Uh, we want to remember the Jerry Cox family. This is Sister Robin Hayes' uh, dad who passed away. So let's remember the Jerry Cox family. And let's remember William Parrish. Nora Bryant, Donnie Reagan and family, Mark and Angie Smith, Jeff Perry, Harley Caldwell, and uh, Sister Tennille is going to be having some tests on Friday. So we're going to pray that all the tests come back good. I believe we can get a good report. Amen. Amen. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. That's a song we ought to sing every now and then. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Let's remember also missionary Azar and his family. They were in, in uh, Beirut, Lebanon. And uh, they have a great church there. And now Beirut is having some infiltration and some dangers all around. So let's pray for Brother Azar and his family. His wife is uh, actually an American. And uh, so, uh, you know, terrorists like to look out Americans. They like to uh, check you out. I remember uh, there was a time, I think, Brother Larry, that, that they didn't even want service members uh, to reveal that they were service members even when they was flying back. Uh, through the airports and things because of uh, just such craziness going on. And anybody that's old enough to remember, you remember uh, when I guess it was uh, maybe uh, the first George Bush and then Ronald Reagan and the Iran hostages. Anybody old enough to remember that? Um, and, and somebody said the other day, they said, I hope we don't see that again. Our, our people, our Americans being marched around, paraded around. 
because uh, they want to try to uh, show that they got uh, power over us. Um, I don't want to, you know, somebody kept always asking me, you want to go to Israel? You want to see Jerusalem? I said, I'll wait till the new Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. Because uh, I'm going to tell you, when you leave, and I just went to Canada. Canada's like going, you know, to Freeburg. <laughs> uh, we went to Canada, and I thought, you know, when you leave the U.S., you leave all the safety of all the laws and all the protection and all the things. And nothing looked any better to me than when I looked up and saw a sign that said, To the USA. Man, that looked good. And I was just in Freeburg. <laughs> and I said, man, that looks good. That looks good. So uh, I was glad to be back in the States. Uh, me and my wife went to Niagara Falls and crossed over in the Canadian side. That's before you had to have pa uh, passports. They didn't much check us when we went over. They just asked me who I had with me. And I wanted to say, I don't know who she is. I picked her up the side of the road. But I was afraid they wouldn't let us go on in. But uh, I said my wife, and he looked down and looked at her and said, okay, go on. After he asked us what we're going for. Coming back, it was third degree. They wanted to know what you had for breakfast. You got any fruit in your vehicle? <laughs> I thought, my God, I, I probably bought a sack of apples somewhere. I thought I was going to. Because they give you the third degree coming back, which is a good thing. But uh, just saying all that to say this, I'm glad I am where I am. I'm going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray for all of these on our prayer list. If you have a prayer request just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that great faith that's displayed here today. Let's begin to talk to the Lord right now. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that is here those that may be sick in body, those that need a touch financially, those that need direction in their life. I pray, Lord, that you would just open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour out blessings they won't be room enough to receive. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for all of those on our prayer list. You know their needs, their situations as we give them to you and cast all of our care upon you. I pray, Lord, that you would touch each and every one, that they would receive what they have need of, that whether they're at home, in the nursing home, hospital, wherever they may be this hour, Lord, I pray that you would touch our community. I pray that you would start drawing people to you. I pray that preachers will keep planting and keep watering, and, Lord, that you would give the increase. I pray that you would let revival break out, let people... People come to you, Lord, and give their life to you so they can have their sins under the blood and be ready to meet you when you come. Lord, I praise you and thank you. Surround Jerusalem, surround Israel, and protect, Lord, your people. And, Lord, we're going to give you the praise. Bless the singers as they sing, the musicians as they play. Bless everything that is said and done that you would 
would get the honor and the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give a mighty hand clap as Brother DeBarge comes. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sacrifice a little bit of praise tonight. He is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Just for a few moments, can we lift ourselves in praise right now unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Amen, amen meaning let it be done. Amen, let it, let it be so. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Let it be done. I want to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. So glad to be here tonight. It is an honor, not an obligation. It is an opportunity, not an obligation. When you change how you see coming to the house of the Lord, you change the results of coming to the house of the Lord. Amen. Tonight, quickly, I want to dive directly into the word of the Lord. We find ourselves in Joel 2 and verse 1, Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. And as you're flipping there, I will give you a moment. As Pastor was speaking uh, briefly, he stated something that caught my attention. He said, you know, uh, everyone likes to think that we're no longer fighting these spiritual battles. But things haven't changed. But what we call them has changed. You see, everyone li likes to think that we no longer fight these spirits. No, they're just under new names. Now they're called depression. They're called anxiety. They're called disorders. Okay, and instead of praying against them, we're medicating them. We're diagnosing them. Instead of solving the problem are going to the problem solver, which is Jesus Christ. We're still fighting the same battles, but the way that we have fought these battles has changed, and that's why these battles are not being won. We need to come back to an altar. We need to come back to the one that we know fights our battles. Because we cannot win these battles alone. David knew that standing before Goliath, but he said, you come to me with a sword and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Joel chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Let's go before the Lord one more time in prayer right now. Lord, we come before your presence so grateful for the opportunity to be in your presence, God, whenever we stand here. We feel your love. We feel your mercy, God. Make sure to search our hearts, search our minds, God. Begin to cleanse us, create in us clean hearts, and in us renew right spirits. Lord, we want to make sure that we are who you've called us to be. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to sound the alarm unto this dark world, being a light, waking them up from their slumber, Lord. Use us in, in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I begin to read this, this scripture, once again, the first word is an action verb. It says, blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. What is the purpose of blowing this trumpet? What is the purpose of sounding the alarm? I'll tell you what the purpose is. It's to grab somebody's attention. It's to... Get them to look at where you are so that a message can be brought forth. 
Okay, church, you may not be called to stand behind a pulpit, and that is okay. But you are called to, to raise the alarm to this dark and dying world. Okay, so whenever you leave these four walls, it doesn't matter if you're standing in the aisle at Walmart. It doesn't matter if you're standing in the parking lot. It doesn't matter if you are at work. You need to raise the alarm because the coming of the Lord is nigh. It is at hand. He's coming back. And if you want to see your family go to heaven with you, then you need to raise the alarm. If you want to see your friends, you want to see your loved ones go to heaven with you, you need to sound the alarm. And it says all the inhabitants of the land will tremble. The ones that are not doing right, the ones that are not living according to God's word, they're going to be trembling of fear. You know what? I'm trembling because I'm excited. Because I have prepared my life according to the word of God. I have repented. I have been baptized in Jesus' name. I have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evident by the speaking of tongues. And I'm prepared. Now, now I'm turning days of sorrow. I'm turning days that would be bad days. I'm turning them into days of witness. Today, I had a bad day at work. But you know what? I turned that bad day into a day of rejoicing and witnessing. New co-worker. Could have been complaining about the meeting that we had. But no, instead we talked about the plan of salvation. Why? Because I turned this day, the day that the Lord hath made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I turned it into a day of witnessing. Because I want to take as many people as I can with me to heaven. It is our duty as laborers of the field to look up and see that the harvest is now. Not say that the harvest is coming and I'll, I'll, I'll get there when I get there. The Lord has called you out of this dark world not to sit on a pew and die, but to reach to people, compel them to come in that, that his house may be filled. The Lord loves you or you wouldn't be here. It is not by accident that you're in the house of the Lord tonight. Do not waste this opportunity and view it as an obligation. So tonight I wonder could we stand all across this building and as the praise team comes and prepares to lead us into an atmosphere of praise and worship. Are you going to join us? Are you, are you, have you come tonight to worship the Lord? Or have you come out of obligation? Don't tell me about it. Show me tonight. Show me what you've come to do. If you've come to praise the Lord, lift your hands and lift your voices unto him, not unto man. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We praise you. Light of the world, you said
come and we're going to take up tonight's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you. I know that sometimes things get tight. Christmas is coming up and a lot of folks sometimes try to put back something. So you make sure you get to buy kids something. But I've always found out if you can give to the Lord, He'll take care of the rest of what you got. He'll always supply every need that you have. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we give cheerfully, Lord, because we know that it is part of your plan to give in tithes and offerings. We ask, Lord, that you would bless each and every one that has to give tonight. That, Lord, you would just take what they give, multiply it, and use it that it might meet the needs of the ministry. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
through mountains and valleys His joy is refreshing Restores my soul Mercy to leave the sanctuary can leave at this time the rest of you we're going to study on our series of how to have revival and I think that sometimes when you think about revival and how to have revival some people say well we need to get a visiting preacher and we need to hang a sign up and we can have revival it has nothing to do with revival that's a set of services that we call revival. But if we're going to have revival, then we're going to have to start letting something happen in our heart that is going to change our thinking and the way we do things. And uh, so if you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn with me. We're going to look into the Word of the Lord. I want you to turn to John chapter 9, John chapter 9 and verse number 1. John chapter 9 and verse number 1. And uh, thank you again for being in the house of the Lord. A good turnout to study the word tonight. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Notice this. Sometimes sickness is not about the person. It's not all about the person. Because look at what the Lord's getting ready to say. Even though it says the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must, work, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man 
with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Everybody say, he came back seeing. He came back seeing. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? You'd be surprised how many people don't know Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And look what he did. He worshipped him. I want to speak about a touch that leads to truth. A touch that leads to revival. A touch that leads to an anointing. A touch that leads to more joy. A touch that leads to more happiness. A touch that leads to our families being saved and our loved ones coming in. A touch. Everybody say a touch. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Oh, I was blind, but praise his name. I now can see. I was in darkness when Jesus found me. But since he touched me, I now can see. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. A touch that leads to truth. Lord, we come before your presence tonight. I pray, Lord, that the word is going to go forth into the hearts of every individual here. That we're going to leave this place knowing that we have received a touch that is forever going to change our lives. It's forever going to change the way we view things and look at things and do things. Lord, it's going to change the way we feel about church and the way we feel about each other. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to receive that touch from the front to the back, the side to side, that, Lord, you would get all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, we ask and pray, amen, amen. Let's give a mighty hand clap unto the Lord. Come on, somebody give a mighty shout. A touch, just a touch. They say that when a baby is born, the first thing they want to do after it is born is place it into the arms of the mother because that baby has to have the touch of mother's hands. In order for that baby to grow and to prosper both physically and mentally, that baby must have a touch from father and mother. We find that this is so important 
in the family because we're living in a world where families are out of touch with each other. It seems as if the families have went their separate ways. Kids come in from school, they go to their rooms. Parents come in from work, one goes outside, one stays inside. It just seems like everybody is scattered across the house. But nothing is more safe and secure. Nothing is more loving. Nothing is more exciting than when the family comes together and they begin to feel the love of the family. The touch that leads to truth. I know we're living in a world that has grown so cold that nobody wants a touch from Jesus anymore. But I believe there's still a little church beside the road at Jamboree, Kentucky that says, I want a touch from Jesus tonight. It may be a Wednesday night, but I'm going to get my touch. It may be a Wednesday evening, and I've had a rough day, but somebody needs a touch from the Lord. Somebody ought to shout, I've been through some stuff, but I'm ready. You see, the devil can't do nothing with a church that keeps getting touched by the presence of the Lord. Somebody help me preach. The devil can't do nothing with a church that knows what it's like to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. The devil can't do a thing with a church that won't sit on a pew but will stand to their feet and wash up. I'm not talking about having regular church, regular Wednesday night study, just coming to church and putting our time in. I believe somebody's glad you're in the house of the Lord. I believe somebody come. I believe somebody come tonight that says, I just need to get in the presence of the Lord because I've been surrounded by goofballs all day long. Somebody says, I just need to get in the house of the Lord because I need another touch of the presence of the Lord. Somebody right now, lift your hands and ask the Lord for a touch. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that uh, the devil can't do nothing with a truth-talking, truth-embracing church. When a church embraces truth, the devil can't do nothing with that church. I tell you, the world may try to bring it down. Uh, the devil may try to attack, but he can't do nothing with a church that's full of Holy Ghost and fire. Uh, the devil can't do nothing with a church uh, that comes on a Wednesday night uh, with nothing in mind but to praise and worship the one that saved you. Uh, I wish I had a little help in this house. Uh, somebody needs to wake up, shook up, get out of your seat, uh, and begin to give a praise uh, because you know what the Lord has done for you. Somebody shout a touch. A touch. Oh, I know we're living in a time where people say, don't touch me. Rappers say, you can't touch this. People don't want to be touched anymore. 
Uh, We come to church and we're satisfied hearing biblical lessons and hearing songs being sung. And we don't even get involved sometimes in the singing because we don't want to be touched. We just want to sit there and listen and hopefully we're being entertained. Well, I got news. We're not entertainers in the house of God. We've come for a touch. Somebody shout, I've come for a touch. I've come for a touch of the master's strong hand. Somebody shout, I need a touch touch of the master's strong hand. I need to know tomorrow's going to be all right. I need to know that everything's going to work out. I need to know that if World War III breaks out, I've got the protection of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is walking along. He sees this blind man. This blind man is blind from his birth. He has never seen. He doesn't know what a bird looks like. He doesn't know what a sunny day looks like. He doesn't know what a cloud looks like. He doesn't know what it looks like when it rains or when it snows. He has no idea what things look like. He only feels. Mm. He only feels the rain. He only feels the wind blow in his face. He only feels what it's like when the grass is is high and he's walking through it and and he can reach down and he can feel the the blades of grass. He can only feel, but the Lord said he's been blind from his birth. But I want you to know this man was getting ready to see again. He was getting ready, I shouldn't say, again because he couldn't see to begin with but he was getting ready to see what he has been feeling I don't know about you but I didn't come on a Wednesday night just to feel something again I want to see what I'm feeling I want to see the wind blow I want to see the Holy Ghost come through this place I want to see the things that began to happen the miracles, the signs the wonders, everything I want to see it. We're living in a world that's satisfied with feelings. If they don't feel it, they don't do nothing. But I don't have to feel it if I can see it. The man looked and Jesus was talking to him and he just simply said, Have you seen or do you believe on the Son of God? And he's answered and said, who is he that I might believe on him? Jesus said, thou hast both seen him and heard him. You see, sometimes it ain't just enough to come to church and feel the goosebumps. Sometimes you got to see that if the goosebumps ain't there, the Lord is still going to see me through. I know my God's going to lead me out of this pilgrim land. You may not see how you're going to get out. They came to the Red Sea. They had been led fire by fire by night and cloud by day. The presence of the Lord was all around them, in front of them, behind them, all around them. And I believe that when they got to the Red Sea, they could not see any way out. 
But the Lord says, stand still. <laughs> Look, somebody say, see. See. We need a touch that lets us see truth. A touch that lets us see that Wednesday night's not another service. It's an opportunity. Wednesday night's not just another gathering. It's an opportunity to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost and somebody go down in his name and somebody get saved and somebody get healed. This is an opportunity. Jesus heard all this and he just began to look at this man and said, you know, this, this guy's been blind from his birth. We find something interesting that as this was playing out, that the disciples just wanted to know who sinned, this man or his parents. Who sinned? Who's caused this problem? In one place, Jesus began to talk about a problem and he said, this is so I might get glory out of this situation. You see, sometimes we got to understand the things we're going through may not be personally about us. It may be so he gets glory. How much glory would God get if some of you that have uh, need of a healing got healed tonight and you went to the doctor and the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you? Uh, how much of a witness would that be unto, unto Jesus uh, if all of a sudden uh, the x-rays come back good, the MRIs come back good, the CT scans come back good, the scans come back good that everything comes back good and God gets the glory oh I feel the Holy Ghost in this house I feel like that we got to come to a Wednesday night and quit thinking of it as a Wednesday night. You service, uh, laid back, kicked back, uh, kind of a low-key service. Uh, we've got to say, my God is just as real on Wednesday uh, as he is on Sunday. Uh, he's just as big on Wednesday uh, as he is on Sunday. Uh, and I've come with some praise. Uh, I've come with some worship uh, because if I can lift up that name. Come on, somebody lift up the name of Jesus. You'll feel better in about five minutes. Lift up the name of Jesus. You'll feel better. Lift up the name of Jesus. Will you sing that old, old song? Preachers feeling better talking about that good old way. We ought to start talking about the good old way. Instead of talking about every other way. Oh, we need a touch that leads to truth. We find that this man that was blind, the disciples just wanted to know who sinned, him or his parents. And he said, as long as I'm in the world, he said, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. And he made some clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. I'm telling you, 
It may not have been so much. I like to know that, you know, we are clay. We are dirt. That's what we're made of. So anybody thinks they're all that in a bag of chips, know you're just a bag of dirt. Does that make us a dirt bag? <laughs> we're just a bag of dirt that the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground. And man was still nothing until breath was breathed in his nostrils. I'm going to say this. We might think we're all that. We might say, well, you know, I'm big in the community. I've got this reputation. I've got this business. I've got this going on. People at school like me. People at work like me. You ain't nothing until you get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say that again. You ain't nothing until you get the Holy Ghost. Because when the Spirit of the Lord enters into you, that's when you really start living. That's when you really start living. Somebody give a praise unto the Lord that the Lord has touched you. I've been touched by the Master's strong hand. I want to guard the truth. Because this man that was blind... Jesus said, well, do you believe on the Son of God? He said, I don't even know who he is. I don't even know him. And he said, well, you not only have seen him, but I'm the one that's speaking to you. You see, sometimes we got to learn how to hear the voice of God. We're learning in a world that is, there's a lot of voices. We're learning in a world of chaos that there's a lot of fake news you know that they can take AI right now and take about three minutes of your speech and make you say anything and it look just like it's you. So don't be surprised in the very near future if all truth-preaching preachers all of a sudden start having videos out there and they're saying, I don't believe in truth no more. I don't believe that Jesus is God anymore and all this. And it be nothing but AI. That's why the Bible doesn't say support everybody across the nation, but know them that labor among you. I'm going to tell you something. You can send all your finances to some preacher that you'll never meet and will never come to your bedside and pray for you, never come to the funeral and preach your children's funeral. But I will tell you this, you better know them that labor among you, that labor with you, and that's willing to say, I want you to receive a touch like I got. I want you to receive a touch of the master's strong hand. I want a touch that leads to truth. I want a touch that leads to truth. This man was not only going to receive his sight, he was going to receive truth. Who Jesus is. How many knows Jesus is truth? Truth. What is truth? That was a question, but I would like to, if I was to look at you and just say define truth and not in a biblical sense... So you can't say Jesus because Jesus did say, I am the way, the truth. Right? So when you say truth, you know it's talking about Jesus. But if I was to ask you, how do you define the word truth? You might have a lot of things that you would say. Some might say, well, truth is that which is 
constant. It doesn't change. How many knows truth doesn't change? Truth is truth today. It'll be truth tomorrow. It'll be truth next week. If I tell you I'm 65 years old, that's the truth. If I tell you that tomorrow, it'll still be truth. If I tell you that on Friday, guess what? It's still truth. And if I tell you that on Sunday, guess what? It's still truth. And then when I turn 66 and I say, well, I turned 66 today and it's truth, I can tell you for the next 364 and one-fourth days that I'm 66 and it'd be truth. Truth is constant. Truth never changes. That's why churches may change, but truth does not. People may think, oh, well, we got to do this in order to win people, and then we got to do this in order to. Uh, we can't preach like we used to preach because people get offended. Well, if they get offended, they just get offended. Because truth is truth. Well, now, Pastor, we just can't praise God, be preaching truth every time we turn around. You start talking about holiness and people will think, oh, well, praise God, I can't go to that church. They believe in holiness. Well, if you can't believe in holiness, then how do you expect to get to heaven? Because you know what the Bible says. There you go. Somebody reads their Bible. It's a fascinating book. Without holiness, no man's going to see God. Nobody. Now, you might say, well, I don't believe in holiness. That's not what our church believes. Well, you better get out of that church. You better find you a church that loves Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I believe that we got to understand that we need a touch of truth today that's going to change the church. Because we're living in such a time, Brother Larry, that it just seems as if people are be becoming satisfied with clubs and, and, and gatherings. It just seems like as long as we got our friends and we get to have positions and we get to be looked up to and, and the mayor will come and visit us every now and then and maybe the governor and a few politicians show up from time to time, then we got a good place. No, we need a place that says we need the touch of truth. We need truth. We need truth on Wednesdays. We need truth on Sundays we need truth in the morning you need truth tonight how many knows truth is constant it is certain it is real you know what our world says truth is subjective what does that mean that's about as crazy as saying he she they er were They say truth is subjective, which means it is only what someone believes it to be. That if I believe Jesus is truth, somebody else can believe that Muhammad's truth, and it's all truth. No. Some people said, well, now the church, uh, you know, in the next state over, they say that you no longer have to, uh, women look like women and men look like men. Well, what's the truth? 
People say, well, praise God, marriage ain't nothing no more. You can shack up or you can, you, can uh, you know, marry whoever you want to. They don't even have to be in church anymore. And you don't have to follow the word. But what's the truth? Right? You can believe lies. And the Bible says, be damned. Right? But I want to believe truth. What does truth say? Truth, truth tells us a lot of stuff. When we read the Bible, it is a fascinating book. I say that all the time, but I will tell you this. It's a book of truth. It's a book of truth. The Bible says that when someone is loose from the bonds of marriage, that they can marry again only... Everybody say that louder. Does that mean I can go out in the world and get a sinner? No. Does that mean I can date anybody I want to, even if they don't believe the same way I do? No. They better be in truth. Because if you don't, what happens is you're going against the Word of God. Going against the Word of God is sin. That's what breaks commandments when we go against the Word of God. What about... What about women looking like women? Well, praise God. We got men that put on a dress and lipstick. And I'll tell you this. You can put lipstick and a dress on a pig. Amen. It's still a pig. You can put lipstick and a dress and a wig on a man. And he can claim that he's a woman and he's in touch with his feminine side. He ain't nothing but an abomination. Right. Right. Woo! Somebody ought to shout, we need a touch of truth. We need the touch of truth. We need the touch of truth. We're living in a day when not only men are doing that, but women is starting to shave their head. Put on men's apparel and say, I'm a he. All I got to do is say, let's check your birth certificate. We had people trying to get elected and, and appointed in, in great positions in our government, and they couldn't even define what a woman was. I'm going to tell you what a woman is. A woman is an opposite of a man. A woman is a woman because she has long hair. She has feminine qualities. She's to dress like a woman, different than a man. In fact, you can go and you can call it Old Testament, but I'm going to tell you something about the Old Testament. The Old Testament taught me not to steal. The Old Testament taught me not to covet. The great apostle Paul looked and said... I wouldn't even have known lust had the law not said it. 
So don't give me this, well, praise God, all that abomination stuff, and, you know, a man pertaining to a woman, a woman pertaining to a man, and all that. That's Old Testament. You better get in touch with truth. This is Wednesday. This is Wednesday, man. We can't be talking like this. We can't be acting like this. We can't be preaching like this. We can't be shouting around on Wednesday. Some trick-or-treater's going to come in off the street and they're going to think we're crazy. I'm crazy in love with Jesus. I'm crazy about the truth. I've done lost my mind. Why am I mind staying on Jesus? Well, let me tell you something. There's some things that we need to grab onto here. If we're not careful, what will happen is we will get so wrapped up in not guarding the truth. How many knows we got to be custodians of truth? I watched as a new House of Representative was sworn in today. And they said something very important. They said, you are the custodian of this house. You're to take great pride in this house, in the leadership of this house. Now, you say, you're getting all political. No, I'm just going to tell you something. The man walked to the podium with his Bible. When's the last time you seen one of your favorite politicians walking to the podium with a Bible? I'm not, I just say we need to get in touch with truth. How many knows this country was founded upon the belief in God? That's right. So why do we get bent out of shape when we say, oh, well, somebody's got a Bible in the House of Representatives. Somebody's going to say a prayer in Congress. Somebody's going to say a prayer at school assembly. Somebody's going to say a prayer at a ball game. Somebody's going to say a prayer. Well, we better start saying prayers. Because I'm going to tell you, this world is going down the tubes quicker than the, than the uh, you know, the, the, the suds, uh, you know, those, uh, what are those little sud people? Go down the drain. <laughs> scrubbing bubbles. They go down the drain quicker than scrubbing bubbles with Drano. I know. We just all just playing our part in the, in the theater of life. I'm just going to be who I'm going to be. You be who you're going to be. You identify as you want to identify. I'd certainly hate to be a public school teacher right now. I'd hate to be a college professor right now. Because you're going to walk in the classroom, you're going to look at somebody, and you're not going to know what to call them. I want to be a little East Kentucky, but I'm going to behave. Back when I was growing up, we didn't hold anything back. <laughs> if a person was going to be an idiot, we just looked at them and said, they're an idiot. We didn't hold back, right? But I know we're all Christians and saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. And now we just look at people and say they're abomination. Because we, we don't want to call it like it is. 
So we use that biblical word, abomination. You know what? The insurance company once told all the people, not just me, but all the people that was in their, under their care, and they said, now when you get up and preach, pastors, don't say you stand against homosexuality because it's an abomination. But you say the Bible says. Well, I got news for the insurance agent. Anybody else that wants to watch. I believe what the Bible says. So the Bible becomes. Look at somebody and say, if you believe the Bible, you become like it. Is this okay? Ain't nobody left yet. I ain't heard no cars start up yet. I think we're okay. We got to guard the truth. There's a lot of untruths out there. God did not create a third gender. He created male and female. And I'm going to challenge our Sunday school teachers to be teaching our kids that's the only two genders God created. Right? I want them to teach them there was Adam and Eve. And when they're together, it's them. When you talk about them, it's they, but they're not individuals, them or theys. I'd like to say that all these people that says I'm a them or I'm a they ain't nothing no more than what the, the, the uh, guy that was possessed with a legion of devils from Gadara. Full of devils. Right? That certainly didn't come from any chapter in the Bible. That certainly didn't come from anything that God created. He created, created everything and he said it is good. And then he started calling sin what it was. An abomination, immorality, stuff that will keep you out of heaven, stuff that will keep you from the blessings of God. I don't know about you, but every time I come into the house of the Lord, every time I wake up in the morning, every time I go through my day, I want to know I can feel God at any time. Any time. Somebody shout truth. Truth. You see, we got to guard truth. Truth is constant, certain, and real. No lie comes from the truth. If you speak truth, you will not lie. And how many knows that it's impossible for God to lie? It's impossible. Somebody says, well, he can, but he don't want to. No, he can't. You know why he can't? Because it goes against his nature. It goes against who he is. He is truth. He is holy. He is righteous. I know. Jesus stated that you can and must 
no truth. Somebody said, well now preacher, do you think you can get to heaven without knowing truth? And I said, nope. Are you making yourself God? And I said, nope. And they said, well how can you make a statement like that? I said, because the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth Go ahead. You see, there's something about truth that sets me free. Once I realize I'm a sinful man, oh, the sinful man I am, a man of unclean lips. Remember all when right before, you know, uh, Isaiah, all of a sudden, you know, oh, I see the Lord. And we sing that song, sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And we sing it in key. But you know what? Before he ever got to see that vision, he said, ooh, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy to be here. And then he said, that's okay. I got some hot coals straight off the altar. You know what he touched? His lips. You know what happened when his lips got touched with the hot coal from off the altar? See, you got to go back to the Old Testament. You won't even know what the coal is. The hot coal. You'll say, where'd they get that? You know what? Back in the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle. We're going to study it real soon. Real soon. Maybe starting on Sundays. I don't know. But you had... The altar, the brazen altar. And on that brazen altar was hot coals and fire so that they could offer sacrifices any time, day or night. Then they had the brazen laver, which was where they washed. The priest would wash. They could see the reflection in it and they would wash. It's our baptism, by the way. And then they had... When you entered in on the right side of the tabernacle was the table of showbread, which represents the Word of God. The Word of God is always right. Somebody just hold out your right arm. Hope you didn't poke nobody's eye out. You hold out your right arm, and you, you say, on the right side of the tabernacle, table of showbread, because God's Word's always right. On the left side, the golden candlestick. The only light source in the tabernacle. No other light source. Didn't have no sunroof. Didn't have no rollback top. Didn't have no way of getting any light in there other than that candlestick. Represents Jesus, the light of the world. And then you look and right before you get into the Holy of Holies, there's this thing there. It's called the golden altar of incense. Hot coals from the brazen altar were brought in and put on the golden altar. And then incense was sprinkled, not for smoking dope, but incense was being sprinkled upon the hot coals. And it became a, a great savor in the house, in the tent, in the tabernacle. And all of a sudden it was as representative of the prayers of the saints going up. Then you entered into the holy of holies. 
And there's the ark, the golden ark. Oh, with the cherubims facing each other, looking down at the mercy seat. And that's where the Shekinah glory of God began to shine. Hallelujah. Only the priest, the high priest, could go in, and he could only go in once a year. So once a year, he got to see the glory of God. I'm glad we don't have to wait. I'm glad we don't have to wait for a full year. I'm glad that we can come on a Wednesday night and say, I want to feel the glory of God. I'm glad that we can come in on a Sunday and say, I want to feel the glory of God. But before the prophet could ever say, I see the Lord high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. He had to be cleansed. We'll never see some things until we're willing to get cleansed. Say, I like to see, oh, a hundred people go to the altar, get cleansed. I'd like to see the Lord heal the lame, get cleansed. I'd like to see the Lord feel about 12 with the Holy Ghost, get cleansed. That's how it happens. We need a touch of truth. What is truth? It's constant, certain, real. Truth contains no untruth. It is not subjective. It is the same. No lie comes from the truth. Jesus stated that you can and must know the truth. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, we got churches that says, no, I'm just going to call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord when I'm dying and everything be all right. And if I get in my hospital bed and I'm taking my last breath, somebody sprinkle me at least. I wish it would work, but it don't. You might say, Pastor, Pastor, woo, Pastor, 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 Pastor. You ought not say things like that. What, would you rather me say, take your chances? Would you rather me tell you to, a lie and then you be damned? Do you want to see me walking around up here, blood dripping off my hands? No, that's why I'm going to tell you the truth. Somebody had to tell me the truth. Did I like it? No, when I had hair down to here and somebody said, somebody in this congregation needs a haircut. And everybody else sitting there all trimmed up, looking neat, been to borders. You have to be pretty a certain age to know that joke. I went to borders one time. He nicked my ear, gapped my hair. I ain't go back no more. Now me and Floby got our own thing going. <laughs> you have to be a certain age for that too. But I thought about, I thought about how that if we're not careful, you know, I could have got an attitude. I could have got an attitude. Like some people get today when you preach truth. Praise God, he's preaching all over me. (laughs) 
Brother Scott taught me how to have an attitude. Put your hand on your hip first, and then you. <laughs> ah. Well, you know what? Somebody had to tell me the truth. Because the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. What if nobody had ever preached that to me? You know where I'd be today? I'd have hair about down to here. I'd have it in a ponytail with this big bald spot right here. I might even put it in a man bun, put it on my head, cover my bald spot up. No, somebody told me the truth. I never will forget. I just got in church. I don't even know if I had time to go to the barbershop yet. I just got in church and I was sitting on the pew. I'll just show you how it was. I was sitting on the pew and it come from about five pews back. I was going, yeah, Lord. Woo, Jesus. Preach it, brother. I was just having a good time. Yeah, and somebody's hair needs cut. It's too long, not now. <laughs> you know what? She became one of my best friends. She even became part of this church. I could have got mad and said, Well, praise God, sister. <laughs> We need no truth, right? Teach me truth. Preach to me truth. Guard the truth. Know the truth. Buy the truth. And sell it not. How many knows the truth is? There is but one God. How do we know that truth? Is it theology? Is it some, uh, you know, organization? Did UPC come up with it? No. The devils tremble. How do they know there's one God? Because they's the one got kicked out of heaven. Lucifer, with all of his great singing capability, his pipes were within him, playing his flutes and his horns, and was so skillful and anointed. He was the anointed cherub. You ought to read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. And he looks and he says, Come on, angels, follow me. We're rebelling against this God. We're going to get our own throne. We're going to have our own way of having church. It's time to have our own glory. It's time to have our own praise and worship. Come on, come on. And a third of them was stupid enough to follow. And you know what the one God did? I don't even know if he got up off his throne. Because our God don't need to get up and do anything. He just says, go and you go. <laughs> Jesus just looked at Peter and said, come. And Peter gets out of a perfectly good boat and starts walking in the midst of a storm. I wish I had another hour. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Rule number one. Never preach from Genesis to Revelation in one service. Because <laughs> people say, I got enough to do me all year long. <laughs> they got kicked out of heaven. 
A third of the angels followed Lucifer. Two-thirds said, I ain't going nowhere. We're going to worship God. Let people go off into some weird religion. Let people go off and change church into something it shouldn't be. Let people start believing lies and being damned. But we here, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stay and we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God. Amen? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We see that in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5. Truth. Touched by truth. I was touched by truth at an early age. I thank the Lord I didn't wait. I thank the Lord that me and my wife gave our life to Jesus at an early age. We went to the altar the same night. We got baptized the same day. January the 18th, we went to the altar. I was trying not to. I really was. I was trying my best not to. She had done yielded and went to the altar, and I'm sitting back there, and I'm like, Lord, what's my wife going to think? Lord, if I go to that altar, what's she going to do? What's going to happen to us? What's, going, what's she going to think if I go that altar? And the Lord said, open your eyes. And open my eyes and I looked beside him and my wife wasn't there. And uh, he said, look up there. And she's up there and she's, oh, you know, giving it all to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, man. Now, what's my excuse? And that's exactly what the Lord said. What's your excuse now? And then our Sunday school teacher, when I was 16, came back and looked at me, sat, in front, sat in right in front of me in the pew in front of me and turned around and just put her arm up on the back and said, the Lord's dealing with you, ain't he? I'm like, yeah. But I didn't say a word. I just, I, I scooted down I, if, if it had been another minute or two of me not going to that altar I would have been in the floor and that's no joke because I thought if I could just get low enough that conviction would fly over to the next person behind me so she, she's sitting there in front of me she said you're under conviction ain't you and I just do this finally I got up I went to the altar me and my wife repented the same night. That was on January the 18th. And that would have been 1981. Woo! You remember that? Man, you're old as dirt. <laughs> then, we said, we're going to get baptized. There ain't no baptistries. There ain't no warm water. There ain't no let's wait until it feels like a hot tub. No, we go to the creek down here. I can take you to the spot. I can take you to the bank. And it was January the 25th. We got pictures to prove it. Ice on the bank. 
it was cooled down on down on the fair banks of Jordan. But you know what? We waded out in the water. We got ready to get baptized. We held on to each other. And then the preacher decided he wanted to preach for about 30 minutes. And I'm like way beyond shivering. I'm hypothermia at that time. You know, when you get hypothermia after you quit shivering, it starts to feel normal, and that's why you die. <laughs> but we went down in the wonderful name of Jesus and come up and uh, truth. I couldn't wait on truth. The truth was once you repent, you need to get baptized. I couldn't wait truth will prevail we say it all the time truth will prevail we understand that truth is to be desired by the truth and sell it not understand the characteristics of God get a touch of truth get a touch of how just he is and how much he loves and how much he cares for us and then when we come on a Wednesday night, we'll be saying, I want to praise Him. I want to praise the Lord. I want to praise Him. I'm going to praise the Lord. I want to praise Him. I've come to praise the Lord. I've come to, I've come to praise His holy name. For he's my rock, my rock, my rock, my rock, my rock, my sword, my shield. He's a wheel, yes, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He will never, no, never, he'll never let you down because he's the joy that I have found. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I came to praise his name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, I come to praise his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I come to praise his name. I've come to, I come to praise his name. Holy name. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. I want to close with this. I want to close with this. Truth will stand when the world's on fire. Truth is forever settled in heaven. Truth is absolutely essential. We've got to care for it. We have to embrace it. We have to receive it. We have to repeat it. And when somebody looks at you and says, you don't have to do all that, you say, wait a minute, it's still truth. When the heart is failing and you need to have revival, you need the truth. We can all stand around and simply say, I have no sin. I do no wrong. He must be preaching to somebody else because it ain't about me. But actually, we need to say, wait a minute. I need truth. Preach to me, preacher. Preach truth to me. Let me be touched by truth again. 
Let me be touched by truth. The truth is Jesus is truth. The truth is the Holy Ghost. We got to have it or we will be lost. The truth is you got to get baptized in Jesus' name. The truth is you got to live holy. The truth is you got to come out from among the world and be separate. The truth is the truth regardless of what generation it is. Never think you get too smart to obey truth. You get too proud to obey truth. You get too high in society to obey truth. Somebody ought to shout, I'm going to love truth and no matter where I'm at in life. You may be a governor. You may be just a pauper. You may be a coal miner or you may be a school teacher. But you need truth. Truth. Jesus set the example, and the conclusion of the matter is it might be time to follow the example of what we need to look at as truth. Truth never changes. Remember the blind man. After the touch, and he got his sight, he came to know truth. I didn't know everything when I first went to an altar. I still don't know everything. But I know truth. I may not be able to explain Revelation from chapter 1 all the way to the end of the book. But I do believe in truth. I may not be able to explain a lot of things going on with Israel right now. And for sure at least say because some things we will never be able to explain. But I know truth. And Jesus is truth. Jesus looked at that blind man. And he just simply said unto him. These these words. And I want to kind of just reiterate this just for a moment. When they ask who sinned. This man or his parents. Jesus said neither but that the works of God should be made manifest in him God wants to do something in our lives he wants to do something in this church we're a good church right we're a good church I I agree I agree we are a good church but I, I will tell you this we need truth We need to be reminded of truth. We need to be reminded. Our teens need to know truth. Why we do what we do. It's not to keep them from having fun or anything like that. It's to keep them from being destroyed. We're trying to help them so we give them truth. Everybody from the beginners, the nursery class, all the way through to the adult class, we all need truth. Some people are spiritually blind. But the question was asked, do you believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, who is he? So if you don't know who truth is tonight, I want to direct you to the one who came in the form of a baby. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. Grew for 33 and a half years at the age of 12. 
He was seen with the temple and astounding all of the priests and all of the religious folks of the day with his knowledge. How does this young boy know all this law and all this stuff? They didn't know he was God manifest in the flesh. They didn't know who he was. They just thought he was a prodigy of something. And then as he got a little older, when he turned 30 years old, all of a sudden he entered into active ministry. And began to call disciples and his voice just began to draw them. They just dropped everything and followed him. I've seen people like that. When the altar call was given, they just dropped it all and came to an altar. And then I've seen some people that you couldn't drag them with a team of horses. But you know what? Those people that drop everything and follow Jesus, they're the ones that follow him all the way. They'll go through the garden with him. They'll go through the persecution with him. They'll go through the the crucifixion. They'll go through all the valleys. They'll climb the mountain to be with him. They'll go into the valley to be with him. They'll go into the garden. And they'll even camp out with Jesus. You know why? Because if you're willing to drop everything and follow Jesus, you will stick with him all the way. I want to stick with him, don't you? I want to stick with Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this little song. And if you want to come and pray, you can. If you want to stand at your seat, you can. If you want to kneel at your seat, you can. And then we'll dismiss. It just says, oh, I love to walk with Jesus. As disciples did of old. When he gathered them around him and the blessed tidings told. How he came to bring deliverance to the captives in distress. Take away our every burden, giving perfect peace and rest. I will follow where he leadeth. I will pass.